0: This episode of Wholehearted is brought to you by School of Rock Cleveland. Call today to schedule your free trial lesson on guitar, bass, drums, keyboard, or vocals. It's a sweltering hot August afternoon at the Festa Italiana in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. The unrelenting sunlight is entirely frying the mostly concrete downtown area where the festival is being held. It's so bad that I am unapologetically using an umbrella to avoid getting sunburned. Then I hear music in the distance, the reason why I'm coming to this festival in the first place. If I didn't know better, I'd think, that can't be live music, can it? But as I pass popcorn stands and beer tents, the music grows louder, the bass more powerful, the drums too earthstaking to have been played off the iPhone of a festival volunteer. It's the unbelievably intricate and masterfully played guitar that still makes me sometimes question what I'm hearing, even to this day where am i who's playing that how are we not in a massive stadium i finally reached the outdoor amphitheater located at the center of the festival and take it all in an audience of about 100 to 200 people and a true to tradition rock and roll band made up of 420 something guys wearing what i can only describe as groovy get-ups Facing directly into the 100-plus degree late afternoon sun, they seem entirely unfazed, thrashing around and performing their asses off as if it was 68 degrees outside, featuring a delightful breeze. And at the helm of this musical ship, wailing away on the guitar and lead vocals, all while wearing electric yellow pants, is Michael Weber. All of the rocking guitar you'll hear in this episode is Michael playing. Watching Michael perform is almost otherworldly. Not only in the sense that his guitar playing is untouchable, but in how he becomes utterly consumed in the performance, truly like no one is watching. His face is screwed up, scrunched up, or something like orgasmic for at least 80% of the time he's on stage. He is a true rock and roller and a showman. He's also kind of a Martian, which is my favorite thing about him. As hard as I'm trying here, Michael is incredibly hard to describe if you've never seen him live i've described him as being from a different time in fact i've described him as being almost like he was placed in a cryogenic chamber in 1978 and was just recently thawed out and released onto this world but mostly i describe michael as one of the most earnest humble and hardworking people i know i first met michael through my boyfriend fanmate and co-producer josh Michael recruited him to join his band, and we've been residing in the Weber world ever since. And today, dear listener, we're going to go into that wild and wonderful world together, because Michael Weber has much to offer us outside of killer guitar solos, and is, in fact, much different from how he might seem. And I want you to see how. Welcome to Wholehearted, where we feel things all the way. Here we share stories of full-bodied commitment to the people, places, things, and ideas we believe in, for better or for worse. I'm your host, Hannah Ray Leach. sat down to talk with Michael at Lighthouse Studios, a top-of-the-line recording studio of which Michael managed the entire creation. It's located in the basement of a lighting company in Hudson, Ohio, but you'd never know from the inside, except for, of course, the impeccable range of lighting choices within the studio itself. I guess there are also framed images of professionally lit parking lots in the studio hallway. The studio also houses at least a good chunk of Michael's highly curated collection of vintage instruments. I feel it's important to mention that Michael was wearing an incredible fringe suede jacket throughout our whole conversation.
1: Check one, two. Yes. Now I got a little more balls to my. Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) Okay,
0: cool. All right. Michael and I have a very particular friendship. I don't have a ton of close friends that are undelicate, well-meaning, yet traditionally masculine rock and roll dudes. But there's something about Michael's extraness, his enthusiasm, and his earnesty that transcends the fact that we are two people that generally would not be predicted to be friends. Michael is admittedly out of touch with a lot of social and ideological norms that most college-educated people in their 20s are familiar with and have fully accepted. And though that might sound like a nightmare to some... I find it bizarrely refreshing, especially when he so consistently displays his indisputably pure heart to me as a friend. He puts on this hard rocker persona while on stage, but when it's just the two of us sitting in the control room of the studio, the real Michael comes out. So tell me, so obviously in the episode, they'll already know who you are, but...
1: How are they going to know who I am?
0: I'm like, this is like a profile, Michael. Like, I'm okay. going to be like rendering you as a person.
1: Oh, uh, I'm excited. <laughs> I am a 21-year-old human being named Michael Weber, and um, I play music, but I record music, I write music, I videotape music, I think about music every single second I'm awake every single day. It's my life. Really, I I could say I play music, but I really live music. I grew up around musical instruments. Uh, My dad wrote it in the 80s. Um, Some of his bigger gigs was that he did a stadiums tour with George Michael and Wham uh, as a tech, and all these as a tech. So I was the first person in my family to be a musician for the most part. But these instruments always existed in the household. So I was I was brought to it in a very early age.
0: Michael began to describe how his parents managed and encouraged his obsession with music by getting him his
1: own TV. The reason why we had two TVs is because when we had one TV, my parents would always be stuck watching the Stevie Ray Vaughan live concert film that I would watch on repeat every single day. So uh, their solution was not to take the VHS tape away from me, but it was to give me my own separate TV that sat right next to the larger TV that I could work and I could watch whatever I wanted to watch. So if you add in the fact that I love Steve Ray Vaughn, I loved Jimi Hendrix in those early years, and those were some of my biggest influences, and then you add in the fact that there's a guitar leaning against the couch that my dad was—that he acquired from work that he bought because it was a good deal— so if you add those two things together, it's only natural that I'd say, wow, I love Stevie Ray Vaughn, I like this guitar, I should learn how to play. And that all happened such a long time ago that I really have no recollection of learning how to play guitar. I don't remember picking up guitar for the first time. It's just mm-hmm. always been part of my life, the same way that you don't remember when your arm grew on you.
0: This is one of the main things about Michael. He has always been like this. Today I'll be playing Stevie Ray Vaughan, Riviera Paradise. This jazzy number was the last track of Stevie's last That's Michael at approximately 12 years old on his YouTube channel, showing off to his already existent fan base. I asked Michael if he ever felt like a prodigy as a kid or if people told him that he was one.
1: See, I don't know. I think what it really is is just the fact that I was into this stuff long before anyone else I know and still, for the most part, I'm into stuff that no one else is into. It's more about being just kind of a weird, artistic outcast, in a sense. I was little, and I used to have this thing I called the Guitar Club. And I called it the Guitar Club because I wanted to be around people that liked to play guitar. However, when you're two years old, you only know, like, three or four people, realistically. <laughs> you know, you got the the neighbors or whatever. So my idea was that I would get coerce some neighbor kids to come over and be part of my Guitar Club. But obviously, they were not as enamored with the guitar or enamored with these old blues artists like I was so in in perspective I guess you say wow I was was good for my age but at the end of the day I just I was by the time I was 10 years old I've been playing guitar for 10 years
0: right that makes sense
1: and uh so I've always been a little bit more experienced just because I, I got a good head start
0: right that being said, it's not like Michael was just sitting around at home, focusing only on populating his guitar club. In fact, he was playing with Grammy-nominated musicians by the time he was age nine.
1: When I think about it, it brings a smile to my face. I was little. I was nine years old. I was hanging out with my Uncle Bob, uh, and he, at the time he was working for a group called Counting Crows. For the most part, I wasn't seasoned at nine years old. The guys were like, hey, you want to come up and play a song with us? So they threw me up on stage... I didn't even have an amp. I was plugged directly into the board. So my guitar tone was just complete trash.
0: What you're hearing is real audio from nine-year-old Michael's performance with Counting Crows. He's on rhythm guitar.
1: I got the opportunity to be in front of people. And more importantly, my parents videotaped the show. And so I got to watch it back. I saw it back and I'm like, wow, I, was, I was, looked, looked kind of nervous. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine that most nine-year-olds would be if they were playing a song they barely knew in front of a minor league baseball stadium of people. But what I'm saying is that I got to look at it and say, wow, I can do better. I can do better. I can, I can be flashier. I can be more interesting. I can show more passion. A few years later, I played with them again. I would have been 12 at the time. The guys in the band were saying, wow, man, now we know how to do this song for the rest of the tour. Because little Michael Weber at 12 years old, I led them through these different changes dynamically. And that's what they ended up doing for the rest of the tour.
0: In addition to being an incredibly gifted musician, Michael is also a successful entrepreneur. From managing and promoting his own tours to creating all of his own graphics, that are really good, by the way, and of course, maintaining a good side hustle he's been nurturing since he was in his single digits.
1: I've been an eBay boy for a long time, I gotta say. Go to auctions, I go to garage sales, uh, buy stuff on Craigslist, buy things on Facebook Marketplace, you can flip them. It's fun. I used to be a little kid that would go to guitar shows, and I would go there and I would ask people, say, hey, excuse me, sir, can you, uh, can I see what's in your case? I, had a little, I was you know, four years old, and the guy had some guitar he was trying to sell for $2,200, and this guy's out of his mind saying, like, why is this four-year-old trying to buy my $2,200 guitar?
0: As talented and gregarious as Michael obviously is, he knows, as we all know, that talent isn't enough to get your name out there anymore, especially in the age of social media. Michael is pretty skilled at it. Having a bunch of bandmates that are incredibly down to clown helps in terms of making fun promo videos. My favorite one consists of Michael sprinting on a treadmill while going bananas on the guitar.
1: Clickbait seems to work better than just saying, wow, you know, here's something and watch it if you'd like it. For example, the video that I've done the best on, on YouTube has the title, Must See Guitarist Shreds Magazine."
0: Here's a bit of the video. Honestly, it lives up to the title.
1: And I'm not particularly uh, happy about that title, but it's done me far better. It got me the gig on MTV. It's got me a lot of opportunities, so therefore it's worthwhile. Michael was featured on
0: MTV's Amazingness hosted by Rob Durdick.
1: 15% of this country plays guitar but nobody plays it like this young man. He is a true throwback. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Shredhead. <laughs>
0: Yes, that was Rob Durdek saying, rocking like Hendrix, looking like a 70s sofa. I felt like you took us into your world. Like, I I just imagined you doing that at home, and I felt like I was in, like, your basement or something. So that's why I really appreciated it.
1: His mom's basement. (laughs) Is your mom here? Yeah, she's right there. Mom. Shout out to mom's basement! Shout out to dad's
0: basement! Michael's parents weren't on the set of Amazingness just because of the novelty. Michael's parents are at every single gig he plays, running around the venue, making sure everything goes according to plan.
1: If you have the loving support of wonderful family members, that definitely helps a lot. Um, My dad is my guitar tech. He wears a lot of hats. Uh, My mom's a photographer, and uh, she helps with a lot of other managerial stuff on the side, too. My Aunt Patty sells merch for the band.
0: Aunt Patty, Mrs. Weber, and Mr. Weber are all in the van that drives the band from gig to gig. In fact, Mr. Weber drives the van. Without his family, The Michael Weber Show could not go on. Right the band, The Michael Weber Show, is kick ass. I'm not really a true rock and roll type of person, but the sheer energy, passion, and brazen performances of the entire band are really just textbook definition entertaining, even for those who don't necessarily enjoy nine-minute guitar solos.
1: One of the things that I feel is that if someone can come to my concert, if they don't even say, you know, the music doesn't connect with me, if they say that, I still want them to walk away from the show and say, you know what? I really feel that these guys have a ton of passion and they gave it everything they had. No matter what, I feel like I want to make it so people say, man, I got my money's worth because this guy went up there and he he sweat 10 gallons of sweat just to try to make this performance work out. And um, that's something that I take from idols like Iggy Pop and and James Brown, guys that you see him on stage like, man, that guy is just giving it up. But When people see the show, a lot of it is a, a performance. That's why it's called the Michael Weber Show. It's not called the Michael Weber sit down on a bar stool and play lame three-chord acoustic songs without any energy and exuberance, you know.
0: The Michael Weber Show is heavily booked, particularly in the summer. They play a lot of outdoor shows, a lot of festivals, even my personal favorite, Ohio Bike Week, an annual festival that attracts and unites bikers from all over the state. The band is such a crowd pleaser, they can generally play any audience and get a great reaction. A lot of this is due to the fact that there are really no performers in the region doing what Michael does. Unbelievably high energy, high performance rock and roll music that moves people of my parents and their parents' generation to experience a type of live music that reminds them of their childhoods. A blue collar 60 year old in a small town in Northeast Ohio or Pennsylvania is probably never going to see their favorite rock bands live or meet Jimi Hendrix, but they can meet Michael Weber. And that's what has created his loyal fan base, even some who travel from gig to gig, never missing a single appearance of the Michael Weber show and becoming valued family friends in the process. Objectively, there's just no way to go to a Michael Weber gig and remain unengaged. Sometimes you have no choice. For example, halfway through his set, Michael leaves the stage and begins roaming through the audience, shredding, stopping, and soulfully soloing in the face of any particularly engaged people. This part of the show always makes me super nervous. Like I'm sitting in a circle for Duck, Duck, Goose or about to receive an unsolicited lap dance at a bachelorette party. But people love it. Audiences just love Michael.
1: Well, the audience is whoever shows up. I can tell you that a 90 year old would come out and hear us play songs that you would never believe a 90 year old would ever want to hear. There's little kids that um, like there's one kid he got. He wanted to get close for his birthday so that he could look more like me. And he got little, he got some plastic guitars and, and uh, he calls it, he does his own little Michael Weber concerts. I don't know, he must be two years old or three years old. I went to his birthday party.
0: Did you play at his birthday party?
1: I did not. I did not. Uh, I just, I went as a guest, but it was cool.
0: Speaking of the clothes, it would be foolish to leave Michael's wardrobe uncommented on by the man
1: himself. Well, I thought that it would be hip to say I wanted to die. But I wanted to live, so I, I instead of spelling it D-I-E, I spelled it D-Y-E, so I decided I, I want to dye clothes, you know, instead of just dying the normal way, so I'm not that emo. <laughs> this is classic edging on not okay to say, Michael. I like wearing sport coats, so I'll go and I'll dye white sport coats. I bought a bunch of them uh, when there was a place that was liquidating, dyed them different colors and added some appliques, kind of going for like a Sgt. Pepper's kind of look. But yeah, for, for me... Clothing is important because it has the essence where it can change me into someone else from their average, ordinary human being lifestyle and this larger than life bombastic.
0: Michael loves the word bombastic.
1: Person who is going to go up on stage and entertain people and is fearless. The clothing is kind of the thing that is the porthole between regular Michael and uh, professional Michael. And uh, even though they get closer, I mean, right now I'm in semi-professional garb with my fringe <laughs> jacket in which I'm wearing. It's a I great had, jacket. I know, I'm, I'm happy about it. the just first got, thing I said to you. I know. I, I just got it at the thrift store. And I have respect for the, you know, we just wear flannels and we just are wear ourselves and that's root C and stuff like that. <laughs> I get it. I think that's fine. But for me, I like the idea of, you know, let me strap on some uh, purple paisley pants and uh, I could be someone different. And I, I, I can have that energy and that extra gear of I can run on stage and, and go completely wild. Because that, that mad version of yourself can be unlocked. And one of the ways that I think it's unlocked for me is that I have to become the Michael Weber show character.
0: The Michael Weber show character is wild, even intimidating. It might make it even scarier to know that he does all of this stuff 100% sober 100% of the time.
1: When I was little and I'd be playing bars. And, you know, you witness this sad truth of what humanity can become for some people. And uh, I would witness that on a weekly basis, playing bars as a little kid. And somehow that got inside my brain and it lodged something and it said, you know what, this party lifestyle is not for me and it's not what i want to do.
0: i think it's really interesting because i feel like there is this thing with rock music that's the whole like sex drugs rock and roll archetype thing. and someone who doesn't know you might think that you're like one of those guys.
1: yeah. <laughs> well no, well i i think so maybe in some ways just because you have to have a persona. you can't just be the the no sex, no drugs version of rock and roll. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and that might, might look kind of lame on stage. You know, well, what does that guy wear? He wears a polo shirt. He wears a polo shirt and plays Jimmy Buffett songs. I don't know. I, but I, but that, that's actually, that's fairly sex and, and alcohol based, Jimmy Buffett. You're so, you great. know, in reality, there's really no way of knowing what the no sex, no drugs rock and roll sounds like. I, I like leading a more modest life style because I want to live long, because it takes a long time to succeed. So I want to make sure I can try to put myself with the best foot forward to live long enough that at some point I can succeed to the degree where I can uh, be making uh, a living doing art in the fashion in which I want to do the art. And uh, I can have the right people in place so that we can do the right thing that I really am passionate about. You know, all those things come with time. So if... I don't know. The 27 Club people, they didn't have a whole lot of time to get together.
0: Modesty, reasonableness, and sustainability in terms of life in mind. In his core, Michael is truly all about rock and roll. He's always talking about how he wants music to explode out of the speakers or how my band has won too many ballads. But what even is rock and roll? <laughs> to many of us, it's just a corporate idea. Something turned monetizable by things like... The Hard Rock Cafe, the band Kiss, and, like, Elvis impersonators. It's also said to have maybe died out years ago. I asked Michael to define what rock and roll is in his own words.
1: It's energy. It's, it's crass. It's crude. It's ballsy. A lot of stuff that gets labeled rock music to me is not rock music. It's middle-of-the-road dad rock. To me, it does not embody the true spirit of what rock and roll is, where it's ballsy, it's energetic. It's just got some specific stank that is so powerful. And that's what I chase after. So I I guess I'm glad to be an ambassador of rock and roll.
0: After the break, we get into what it means to be cool in 2019, and if either of us even know what that means.
1: There was that time in like 2010, 2012, that playing guitar was cool. Not that they were actually playing guitar, But holding a guitar was cool.
0: We'll be right back. I am so happy to share that this episode of Wholehearted is brought to you by School of Rock Cleveland. I am a vocal instructor at School of Rock Cleveland and can personally vouch for the school's incredible programming, faculty, obviously, and our amazing dynamic students. Whether you are a total newbie to your instrument, someone looking to brush up on their skills, or maybe just a really solid shower singer, there is definitely a place for you at School of Rock. What really sets School of Rock apart from other music schools is the performance program. Students are placed in a band that practices once a week and are given songs tailored to their skill level on their chosen instrument. The band then works together along with their director to put together a polished set to play at one of many iconic local music venues. My personal favorite thing about being a part of School of Rock is helping students find confidence on stage through the performance program. That, and of course, winning them over by constantly offering them body glitter call any of school of rock cleveland's three locations locations—Westlake, strongsville or highland heights to schedule a free trial lesson today and if you're outside of cleveland school of rock has hundreds of locations all across the country all ages are welcome my youngest student is in second grade and my oldest student i've ever taught i believe was in their 60s so keep that in mind if you're feeling self-conscious about signing up for lessons and the first lesson is free so what's not to love I also have to say School of Rock Cleveland is Wholehearted's first ever sponsor, and I am so grateful and appreciative. So thank you to Shelley and thank you to School of Rock Cleveland. And also, what a good fit for an episode all about rock and roll. Now back to Michael Weber. Another one of the most interesting things about Michael is just how much he does and does not fit the mold of the rock star guy. I'm not exaggerating when I say that you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who could outplay Michael on guitar, but he still believes that that does not make him cool.
1: In true reality, the days of the idea where playing guitar was like the sexiest thing in the world and girls are just like swooning all over you. But those days are long gone, man. They just are. You know, I never, there's there's specific girls that are that still get into that idea of this guitar player thing, but... I also find that it's actually the more you care about it, the less successful it is. You know, if I kind of only knew how to play Wonderwall, (laughs) if I just knew how to play Wonderwall, it might have probably be more successful.
0: You really think that?
1: Yeah. There was that time in like 2010, 2012 that playing guitar was cool. Yeah. Not that they were actually playing guitar, but holding a guitar was cool. Yeah. You know, it was that Jonas Brothers kind of thing. And I feel a little sad that I just missed that part of society that it was cool to hold a guitar. Because you see those things and they portray this idea like, oh, that guy's in a band and there's rival bands at a school. and It's so cool. But in reality, I was never the cool guy at school because I played guitar. The, The only thing I had going for me is that I didn't care what people said about me. So therefore, no one bullied me because they're like, you know what, Michael's not worth giving the energy to try to bully because he just doesn't care. He's going to do whatever he wants to do no matter what.
0: Michael definitely does do what he wants no matter what. Before I met Michael for the first time, Josh warned me that Michael likes to get a reaction out of people. For example, here's Michael's take on Shock Rock. For those who don't know what Shock Rock is, it's like, intentionally upsetting or jarring rock music with really
1: extreme lyrics or themes it's good to put in your car see i never i i mean i feel like we live in this era you know you get in the car you got a girl in there and you got to put on like the head and the heart or something <laughs> like that you know it's kind of like but not even old head and the heart like new head in the heart uh-huh. where it's kind of pop and it's you know it's got some folky undertone so you still can feel good about how your pants are kind of rolled up at the boots and uh, you kind of feel like you, you know, you got that aesthetic going on, but I don't want to be part of that aesthetic. I want to get in the car and I want to play, you know, Gigi Allen singles collection in the car just to see what people think and just to, to see how outrageous they think it is.
0: I had no idea what the Gigi Allen singles collection was. This is a major aspect of talking to Michael, never knowing any of his references, but I learned that one of the songs off this collection is called I Wanna (laughs) F*** Your Brains Out, and then I just understood. You should Google it if you want to know more, but it only gets worse. All of that aside, even if Michael does enjoy getting a rise out of people, which he definitely does, one of the reasons why Michael and I have become friends is because we both yearn for meaningful connections with people. A lot of Michael's songs address feelings of lost connections or feeling misunderstood by his peers. Because in spite of his sometimes cocky stage persona and song titles like Born to Lead, Michael is really just trying to find his place in the world as much as any of us are. I think a good example of this is his song, Needle in the Hay. At first listen, it sounds like he's saying, "Ugh, it hurts so much to be such a rare talent. But when you really listen, it's more about feeling isolated than anything else.
1: I don't know what's cool now. What's, what, what, what makes someone cool in 2019?
0: I mean, that's a big question. We, we talk about this all the time. Instagram success? I mean, are you asking me?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I'm interviewing you. I mean, you. what
0: even is cool though? I mean, yeah, I think that a lot of it is like someone who's is someone a good, cool, a, someone good who's selfie, a good selfie, a
1: good angle, like a good angle, good lighting,
0: like kind of
1: quality photograph. So then you have to figure out how to get the best lighting. Maybe maybe that's what 2019 brings, yeah. well, but.
0: I mean, I also think it's interesting because for such a long time, in some ways, this discussion is similar to a discussion that would be like, oh, it's not about the music, it's about the band's image. Like, that's been a thing for a while. It's been
1: a thing forever. Started with Elvis because he was so visually able to be experienced with TV performances, movies, and it's been a problem ever since. I don't ever want to be the kind of person that says oh well back in my day that wasn't a problem that's like what old people say and it bothers me so much like music in my day was so good or whatever because it was a problem then too it's always been a problem it's just that the people that hated elvis are dead now and the people that loved elvis are almost dead <laughs> but you know but it's like the kind of things that every single every single era has those people and in some ways the idea of a guy that was not really that much of an actor being in movies in tons of movies that were all marginally decent that was just the same thing as the the camp rock of 1960
0: i knew that's what you were referencing in case you don't know which i guess some people who live under rocks might not know camp rock is a disney channel movie starring demi lovato and the jonas brothers that centers around a summer camp for rock bands who would have guessed The moral of the story is that Michael, like many of us, does just want to fit in. The thing that is so unique about him is that in his mind and in his world, the way to fit in is to become this rock god archetype. But he doesn't actually want to be a rock and roller in the performative way that he currently is. I'm at a Michael Weber show and I'm just a person. And I watch you. I would expect that you want to be, like, a rock star.
1: Like, that is, like, the... Yeah, but, you know, the rock star thing is is kind of just... I think it's quite stupid, to be honest. The idea of people... I want to be a rock star. That concept, it's so dated, and it's just... I don't know. I, I, I find that to be the cringiest possible statement you can imagine, is wanting to be a star. Like, why don't you just try to be yourself, and then... I, I feel like any star shouldn't want to be a star. That's part of being a star. And so I think anybody that has the potential being a star can't achieve that by saying, wow, my, my goal is to for everyone to love me. If, if you do that, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. The real reasons that I would ever want to succeed based on would be saying, wow, um, this person is doing what they want to do, they're passionate about, it, they care about, it, and they're doing a good job at it. I don't want to play blues Uh, My whole life, I'd rather do something that's on par with my real idols, the people that try to push the boundaries, you know, the people that would play pop music, but did not limit themselves to what is lame about pop music, the people that really push the envelopes, the, the Bowie's, the Scott Walker's, the Brian Wilson's, people like that are the people that I aspire to be.
0: Those are awfully large shoes to fill, but what I respect about Michael is that he'll admit that he wants to reach those heights and is always working on getting there, all the while admitting that it is really intimidating to fathom. Even though in my mind, Michael really personifies rock and roll, energy, attitude, commitment, recklessness, he is also just essentially a very enterprising and organized person with a super reasonable plan for staying sane as an artist.
1: It's scary. It's scary to try to spend too much time looking at the future. For me, I look at arcs for business goals, and I try to spend my time working on the day-to-day and trying to find a way that I can prove myself every single day and put, this, put myself in a better situation. If I spend all my time saying, where do I want to be in five years, then I'm, just, I'm, in, a, I'm in a bad mental state because then you're chasing after some carrot that is too far away. Because you have some goal that's so lofty, you're saying, wow, how can I get to that carrot? You know, not nothing for me is as much fun as working and getting something done. You know, when you go to bed and you say, wow, I know more than I did when I woke up. That's what excites me. Or saying, I got that thing done. I did that today. That thing that exists right there, whether it's a song, whether it's a video, that would not have existed if I didn't live today. That's what excites me.
0: I asked him what he's most proud of in his career so far.
1: I'm proud, most proud of currently what I'm gonna do next. What an answer!
0: Is there actually? Is that like figurative or is there a thing? No, there's a thing. Will you tell me? It, not not no, for this, but no, just no, no. In well, it's
1: it's just ideas that are inside my head. Yeah, things that I'm demoing. Yeah, that's what I'm most proud of. I'm always most proud of what I'm doing next because it's growth. If you're saying, "Man, I'm so proud of what I did ten years ago." Mm And then that'd be a really bad feeling because then you're saying, well, I peaked a long time ago. So in reality, I'm most proud of what I'm doing next and what I'm doing now. And I'm most proud of the idea that I came out of when I was in the shower this morning (laughs) and I had this idea. That's the idea I'm most proud of.
0: Michael wants what we all want. Success, community, love and acceptance. But he's going to go about getting that his way, and that is vastly entertaining and promising.
1: The real key at the end of the day is that I want to be able to say, man, I was part of that. Whether my piece was the primary artist, where I wrote the songs, I played the parts, and I did whatever, you know. If that's the case, oh, that's, that's quite an accomplishment. But if I said, man, I just played mandolin on one song on this album that was really, really good and was successful, then that's success too. Mm -hmm. I don't really care whether I'm the quarterback or I'm some guy that's in the practice squad. I mean, I'd rather be on the field, but at the end of the day, is that if we win a Super Bowl, I still have a ring, And that's what I'm chasing after.
0: The truth is, Michael doesn't necessarily know what he wants in full focus, much like the rest of us. But what sets him apart is his ruthless maximization of his journey. And so the man will rock on, melting the faces of Americans in unlikely places all across the country. Dyed pants, hot takes, and all. He may not necessarily have a step-by-step plan, but he's excited for the journey ahead.
1: If I know 100% where I'm going, it makes the journey a little bit less fun. I like to think of it a little bit more like Lewis and Clark and a little bit less like you just punch it into your garment. Yeah. Although it didn't work out too well for Lewis and Clark. <laughs> I don't know. They had an adventure. I don't know. So maybe I don't want to be like Lucy and Clark. I don't know. I'm going to figure something out. I can say that.
0: I, for one, can't wait to see where the road will lead him. you want to see The Michael Weber Show live this coming summer or maybe even before then, go to themichaelwebershow.com and check out all of their upcoming dates. They also have merch on sale at an infamously reasonable price, <laughs> so I would recommend you maybe get a t-shirt with Michael's face on it um, and at the very least listen to his music, which you can stream or purchase like anywhere where you purchase or stream music. You can also follow Michael on Instagram at michaelweber2, which I recommend maybe even more than anything because again the outfits are incredible are you someone who has a wholehearted belief they want to share i bet you are and in that case you should send me an email or voice memo to hannah at wholeheartedpodcast.com and if you're not subscribed to the newsletter yet I mean, you make it to the end of the episode. Clearly, you're engaging with the content. So you should sign up for it. Go to wholeheartedpodcast.com and scroll down to the bottom and type in your email address and you will be getting notes from me. Wholehearted is written, produced, and hosted by me, Hannah Ray Leach. Of course, special, the most special thanks to the man himself, Michael Weber. This episode was mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with story assistance and theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Our main show artwork is by Ayanna Chustin. I hope you join me again soon.
1: You got to be an onion. That's what you got to be. You got to be an onion. Uh, You got to have a lot of layers and you got to make them cry.